Ashley Burke reading Alice in Lee's book, Once Upon a Proposal, Chapter 8. Despite the doctor's assurance, it was hours before Fiona finally returned to her room, but then Gabe's brothers and sisters-in-law had departed. As had his mother, Colin remained, though, and Bobby knew better than to suggest Gabe go home and get some rest. He had managed to convince Stephanie to leave the children at the hospital with him, however, while she went off to her husband's business dinner. Bobby had fully expected another dose of Stephanie's verotic attitude and had been surprised when none had been forthcoming at all. Maybe it was because the children were there listening, or maybe it was because they were in a hospital. Whatever the reason, she'd been relieved when the other woman had suddenly catapulted and left the kids in Gabe's care. Unfortunately, that meant that Lizette and Tot had been forced to sit around for hours, too, and even if they badly wanted to see their great-grandmother, the long wait had definitely been taking his soul in their patience. When Fiona was delivered in a wheelchair back to her hospital room, only the fact that the children were there kept Bobby's tears at bay. Their dear friend had never looked so worn, and for the first time, it was almost easy to believe that Fiona had just turned 85. Once the nurse had gotten Fiona situated with the various wires and tubes tethering her and departed, Fiona let Todd use the button to raise the bed more until she was setting up to her liking. Do it again? He asked, hopefully holding a controller. It's not a video game, dummy. Lizette scuffed. Fiona grinned. The rise were gone. I'd rather be playing video games right now, too. She assured him. You can play with this darn bed all you want tomorrow if you get to come and see me. She had called. Go home and get some rest. You look like you're the one ready to have a heart attack. No joke. He tried bending over to kiss her. She gave us a scare. I've been telling you for several years now that it was time you cut back. Those dogs don't need you working yourself to death. Don't exaggerate, and it's not the dogs I do it for, as you well know. She patted his cheek and looked at Bobby and Gabe. Despite her health crisis, there was still a glimmer of that. So, some mischief has been afoot. I suspect there was more going on than repairs over at that carriage house. And once I saw you together last night, I knew I was right. Bobby, put her cheeks off. Fiona! We can get into all that later. Gabe assured her, giving his children a pointed glance. Fiona rolled her eyes, but she dropped the subject easily enough. Payroll isn't done. Bobby, if the key to the office. Bobby, you have a key to the office. Could Mother Colin started, but she just waved his hand. You go to the office and bring me the checkbook. It's locked in my desk. But you know where the key is. I'll sign the checks. I'll have you do it. I'll have, I'll have you to do is fill in the same amounts for everyone as the last pay period. Get them back to the office for Cheryl to hand out before the end of the day tomorrow. Bobby stared. She pitched hit any number of tasks at the agency over the years, but never had anything to do with the nine paid employees' compensation. Mother, Colin said again this time, with enough still in his voice that Bobby had a sudden impression of him in courtroom. You do not need to be signing those godforsaken paychecks, he said flatly. But Fiona eyed Colin with just as much still providing where he come by the trade. I'm the only signer on the account, she pointed out, and when I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. He gave an irritated sigh. Turn away from the Talk to your grandmother, he told Gabe, who was standing at the foot of bed. She listens to you. <clears throat> Bobby can sign your name for you, Gabe told her without hesitating. At least this once. Nobody's going to come charging after anyone for fraud after all 
and I'll get new signature cards from the bank tomorrow so you can get someone else added onto the account. Fiona crossed her thin arms over the pale blue hospital gown that she was nearly from in. Fine. Bobby? She looked at her shoulder and a shock. Like, I think this uncomfortable. I'll do whatever you need, Fiona. You know that. Fiona suddenly smiled brilliantly. Yes, I do know that, my dear. Then she looked at Todd. You can push the button to lower the bed now. After all the poking and prodding I've had, I want some sleep. Assuming I don't get caught in the web of wires, they're gonna. They got going here. Their case went back to the doll, so she moved her eyes. Bed started slowly. Now, go on. Get out of here. I'm told, I'm told I probably won't kick the bucket tonight, so you can come back and see me tomorrow. Mother! Gullet chimed in. I told, I told Bobby he knew he was fighting for a lost cause, but he leaned over and kissed his mother's cheek anyway. There was no doubt of his affection for his mother, even if she did exasperate him. He gave Bobby a smile and clapped his hand over Gabe's shoulder as he left. All right. You two, Fiona looked from, Bob, from Bobby to Gabe and back again. The last face Todd and Lizette want to be is hanging out in some musty old hospital. It was a poor description of the comfortable modern high-tech institution. You're not going to die, are you? Todd wrinkled his nose. He's still holding the remote control for the bed. His fingers choking the sides of it. Heavens, no. Not today, Fiona assured him. She reached out her arms. Give this old lady a hug. You too, Lissa. Both kids easily bent over their great-grandmother, hugging her as enthusiastically as she hugged them. Bobby blinked hard, looked down at the floor. A moment later, Gabe's hand closed around hers. Startled, she looked up at him, but he wasn't looking at her. He was watching his children hug their great-grandmother with a stark expression on his face. She knew in that moment that it no longer mattered what her reservations in the beginning had been regarding the wisdom of their little deception. She couldn't stand by and not do something to help him. Her hand squeezed his, and his gaze slowly came around her. It's going to be okay. Her words were nearly inaudible, but she knew he heard. And when he lifted their linked hands and brushed his lips across her knuckles, she also knew that no matter what their brief furniture together held, she was never going to be the same. But she managed to drag her gaze away from him, and it was only to find Fiona's attention focused squarely on them. She looked decidedly satisfied, and Bobby felt warmth began to creep up her throat. She vainly willed it to stop. The children finally moved aside, and Gabe let go of Bobby's hand, then hit his own hug in. Then it was Bobby's turn, and she kissed Fiona's gently lined cheek. Don't scare us like this, she whispered. Fiona patted him. Don't you waste time fretting about me when you've got more, much more interesting things to concern yourself with. She can't step back past Bobby and his mouth. Like all of them. Hi. Right. The flush put up softly. She quickly changed up. Don't worry about the agency either. Fiona leaned her white head back against the pillow. I'm not. Now off with you. She flapped her hands and if she were shooting, shooing flies. She flapped her hands as if she were shooting flies, but there was still a faint smile on her lips, even as she closed her eyes. Bobby gathered up first in a long dry raincoat and followed the children and gave out the door. Can we go back to Bobby's? Lizette suggested when Gabe asked what they wanted to do about dinner. Todd, he'd run ahead of them to punch the elevator call button and started nodding. Yeah, we could have pizza and play with the dogs again. Bobby bit back a smile. Heard a potential was ridiculously touched. I think Zeus and Archimedes are the real draw. They all stepped into the, the elevator when the door slid open. Bobby might have other plans for the evening. Gabe said mildly, and she suddenly found herself the focus of two sets of very anxious eyes. 
anxious eyes. No, she smiled a little gently. No other plans at all. Todd gave his father a duh sort of look that amused Bobby. Somewhat she forgot all about that tender shakiness. What? She tugged lightly on Todd's ear. You think there's no way on earth I might have something else to do? Todd's cheeks went crimson. Bobby laughed out loud. Caught the boy's face in her hand, giving him a smacking kiss on the floor. I'm just teasing you, she said. I would like nothing better than for you all to come over, and I'm sure that Zeus and Archimedes will be very happy to see you too. But maybe we can come up with something a little more nutritious than pizza. He went from red cheek to looking suspicious to Harvey. I don't like spinach. You won't hurriedly or anything else, Green. Todd Gavinson, your weight was put in front of you, even green vegetable. Bobby bit back another grin as the boy's expression went from suspicious to purely horrified. What about carrots? Yes. Todd gave that matter some consideration. I guess they're okay. Then I think maybe we can manage something. She didn't know what, considering the yawning carrots that masqueraded as her kitchen cupboards, but fortunately she could call Tommy on the way home for some advice and nobody would be the wiser. What about you, Lizette? Anything you don't like? The elevator arrived at the ground level, and they stepped off. Lizette tucked her pale hair behind her ear, handed Bobby her backpack, while she put on her jacket. I don't care what we eat as long as we get to sit on the floor. Mother never lets us sit on the floor. Compared to the former Mrs. Gannon, witchy attitude aside, Bobby figured she more often than come up to her. Well, if I had a kitchen table at all, I can assure you that's where we'd be sitting at. She returned the backpack. And I'm glad you don't have one. Todd was matter of fact. He trotted ahead of them toward the automatic door, and his backpack camouflaged green in comparison to Lizette's pale blue bouncing between his shoulders. It's more fun, only because it was a novelty to them, she figured as they followed Todd outside where it was still raining. I'm parked in the North 40 gate, babe. Wait here while I'll get the truck, and I'll drive you to yours. Not waiting for an argument, he set off at an easy jog. His long legs eating up the distance. She couldn't remember the last time someone worried that she might get wet walking to her car. And someone other than her mother even worried about that? She dragged her thoughts together and looked back at them. What do you usually do for meals at your dad's house? We go to restaurants mostly. Because the only thing he can cook are tuna sandwiches or steak on the grill. I don't want to alarm you, but I... My repertoire doesn't include much more than that. Dot rocked back and forth. Can you make macaroni and cheese? She nodded. Out of a box? Lizette gave her a cheek look. Well, yes, I can make it in the oven too, though. Tommy had given her a recipe for it that used about four kinds of cheese and two hours to prepare. She made it once and promptly decided that if she ever wanted it again, she'd go to her sister's bistro and order it. The box kind is what I want, Lizette said with certainty. I had it once when I was at a sleepover with my friend Ellie, Ellie Roman. She leaned closer. We made it ourselves. She whispered it as if it might have been a crime. <clears throat> was it a long time ago? She shook her head and sucked her hair behind her ear again. Before Christmas, but then their cook found out and he got mad and told Ellie's mom he was going to quit if she didn't get the nuisances out of the kitchen. That's what he calls Ellie and her little sister. The nuisances. She said, I, know, I never cooked anything before. It was fun. So we all got in trouble. Louisa, that's our housekeeper, says that Ram Roman's cook is more whispering. Lunatic. 
Bobby wasn't certain that she didn't agree. It was also inconceivable to her how the things she considered every day were not part of Lizette and Tom's world at all. Chucked her arm through the girls, even at 12. Gabe's daughter was nearly as tall as she was. My sister Tommy was cooking in the kitchen before she was Todd's age. Now she owns her own restaurant. Lizette eyes running. Cool! I've always thought so. Maybe we'll all go here, there sometime. Tonight, Todd asked just as Gabe pulled his truck up the curb, pushed open the passenger door from the inside. Not tonight, she's closed. Bobby nudged them forward and they darted across the sidewalk. Scrambled up into the back seat of the big truck, she brought up the rear and once inside pointed out the location to her car. To her car to Gabe. Why don't we leave it for now, he suggested. I'll bring you by later to get it after we go by the agency to do the checks for Fiona. No point in having us both driving. We'll have to backtrack this way anyway. Bobby was fully aware that it was feeling too much like a cozy family inside his truck with his long-fingered hand casually resting on the console just a few inches from her arm and his kid squabbling over the video game that Todd had in his backpack. No matter what she agreed to help him with, she knew it would be smarter to find some distance to go in her own car, even if it did mean extra driving in the rain, which just proved how little she cared about smarts when she blindly reached for the safety belt to fasten it in and around her. Okay, but we'll have to stop at the grocery store to pick up a few things on the way. <laughs> you should have said so. We'll just go out. He said immediately. No, Dad. Lizette parked her head between the seat. Bobby's going to make us macaroni and cheese out of a box. <laughs> he looked from his daughter's unusual animated face to Bobby and felt a dangerous warmth inside him. Little did I know that cheap mac and cheese could get such a positive reaction. Does that mean we don't have gotta have carrots? Todd asked from the rear. We'll have carrots too, Bobby said, giving Gabe a smile. That seemed a little shaky around the edges. And maybe orange slices. We'll just have a whole orange collar theme going on in honor of Halloween Halloween tomorrow. Lizette giggled and sat back in her seat. Gabe looked at Bobby. You don't have to do all this, you know. The more time they spent together, the more his children accepted her as part of his world. The easier it would be to tell them about the engagement. And the better the better it would be in court for him if any questions arose about his and Bobby's supposedly altered bound relationship. He knew it, but it was getting damn hard to remember that was his only motivation. I know I don't have to. She lifted her finger and he realized that the traffic light had turned green. He dragged his head out of the gray mist of her eyes and drove out of the parking lot. Rush hour traffic had abated and it didn't take long to get to Fiona's neighborhood and the grocery store that Bobby directed him to. When his kids scrambled out of the truck and raced to the row of shopping baskets lined up outside the entrance, arguing over who got who would get to push it, Gabe shook his hand. You think they'd never been to a grocery store? Bobby looked down. Have they? And he started to answer and only realized he didn't know. Wasn't that a hell of a note? Something so original, yet something he'd never done with his own children. And he couldn't be certain, but he doubted that it was something their mother had done with him, since Stephanie had grown up in a house full of servants, and even when she married him, had expected to keep a full-time housekeeper. The fact that such a luxury was not in his budget seemed nearly every dime, since nearly every dime he made, been, had been making had gone back into expending and worse had been one of the more minor bones of confrontation between them 
Relax. It's only a store. Bobby patted his hand before sliding out of the truck. He flipped the hood on a raincoat overhead and darted after the children. But Gay knew it was more than that. It was one more reminder of the kind of life his children led with their mother and stepfather. He didn't want his kids growing up insolent from some simple, normal thing. He'd grown up that way. If he hadn't been for Fiona's encouragement, he'd have never found his way out of the privileged life that had built like it was strangling him even before he was out of his private high school. Bobby had reached the wet row of shopping carts, stacked up against the store. She pulled one out, put her foot on the bottom rack, and pushed off, sailing across the empty sidewalk toward the store. Her head fell off her head. The tails of her jacket swung out behind her as she rode. The carrying cart. He heard his kids laugh, both of them, and beneath that, he could hear the musical sound of Bobby's laughing with them. He even could feel the corners of his own lips start to turn upward. Addictive, that laugh was. He let out a long breath, shoved his bowed hands, bald hands in his pockets of his leather jacket, and the right one, his fingertips, felt the sharp edges of a flower shaped hair clip. He took it out and looked at it. The little jewels on it sparkled beneath the parking lot lights. Didn't know why he still hadn't given it back to her. But why he kept carrying it around with him. Pushed the tiny thing back in his pocket. Pushing aside to the speculation that wasn't leading him anywhere. He ought to be going. And followed them into the store. <laughs> in the end, what should have taken only a few minutes to gather up what they needed for dinner. Took considerably longer. When they left the store... They were all carrying bags, but when they arrived at Bobby's place, both Lizette and Todd quickly lost their avid interest in the grocery they chose in favor of Bobby's dogs. Once Zeus and Archie were out of their kennel and free to play, all four of the youngsters, human and canine, were rolling around on the floor in the living room. Gabe pulled the last box of macaroni and cheese out of the reusable fabric bags that Lizette had insisted they purchase instead of using plastic and handed the box to Bobby, where she was loading things into what had been a nearly empty cupboard. I can't remember the last time I heard Lissa giggle like that. Bobby glanced up at Kids and puppies. They're a pretty surefire combination. <laughs> You're the surefire combination, he countered. Her eyes widened a little and then she blinked, briskly shutting the cupboard door and bending over to the lower one to noisily pull out a large pot that she handed him. Mind filling that with water? I've got to find the lid. Took the pot, <laughs> the pot and figured there were, there was a hot spot in hell waiting for him. Considering the way he couldn't pull his gaze away from the view, she made bending over to root through her cupboard. And when she reached an arm and even further, the back of her shirt worn Short orange sweater rode up a few inches, burying the creamy skin at the small of her back. A sheer stretch of narrow purple with tiny bow at the center peaked above her blue jeans. And even though his kids were giggling from the other room and his grandmother was in the freaking hospital, the only thing he wanted to do right then was to let his fingers do the walking over that bow and beyond. Hey, Dad, he swallowed a nose, jerking around like he was 13 and had been caught looking at pictures of naked ladies. What is it, Lissa? His daughter gave him a shy smile. I'm glad we came here. Bobby made a faint sound and straightened to I'm glad too, honey, he agreed quietly. Then Lizette smiled again, a little less shyly, and she pillowed it out of the kitchen. 
A second later, they could hear her and Todd whispering, followed by pills of laughter. He swallowed and shoved the pot under the axe. Angel faucet. A moment later, Bobby set the pot lid on the counter. Thanks. Her hand slid over his as she took the filled pot from him to set it on the stove. She didn't look at him. You don't have to stay in here and help, you know. She turned on the burner and plopped the lid on the pot. It's not like there's much room left in here anyway. She waved at the dog kennels, taking up half the floor area. An answer, he reached out for the bag of carrots. Got a pillar. She looked like she wanted to say something more, but she pressed her soft lips together and pulled open the drawer next to the stove. She rooted through the contents for a moment, then pulled out a vegetable peeler and handed it to him. Buddy caught her hand along with the Thanks. It's just a vegetable peeler. His thumb rubbed over knuckles. You know, that's not what I mean. Her lashes swept out. I know. Her voice was, but you, we, don't need things to get any more complicated than they already are, right? She looked up at him then, giving him a blast of her soft gray eyes. Eyes that were practically pleading for him not to bring any more hurt into her life. Yeah, he wanted her the day they met when she latched her lips onto his and blew every thought of every single thing in his life right out of his mind. And when every day, with every day since, that one, that want was becoming even more sharply hued. But after that, what did he have to offer a young woman like her? woman who deserved the whole deal white roses and rings and picket fences and babies things he tried once and had failed at so miserably that he and those he hurt along the way were still paying the price so he made himself nod made himself agree right he said gruffly and slipped the peeler out of her head then he pulled out a carrot and began peeling the damn thing but the only thing he was seeing was the expression on bobby's face the one that told him she was no more convinced of her words than he was. End of chapter 8.